Welcome to Discover Grace Podcast, a podcast made for finding God's grace in a disgraceful world. Youth pastors Garrett Lamb and Dalton Dickerson will be discussing practical truths and convicting topics from God's Word. Join us in striving together to build a stronger love for God and love for others. All right, welcome to Discover Grace Podcast. It's great to be on here with Garrett. And we're looking forward to a great episode today. But before we get into it, we just want to talk about uh, some things we like. Last week, we talked about fast food restaurants, some of the our top three. We talked about some things we didn't like. But today, I want to talk about, before we get to the episode, uh, our favorite Bible characters, so our, our top three. And so, Gary, I'll just start off with my number one real quick. I, I'm just going to have to say Joseph. Joseph is number mm. one, just because Joseph, yeah. his life is a bunch of high peaks and, and low valleys. Mm-hmm. he's one minute he's he's well favored by his dad next minute he's thrown into a pit to going to become a slave um, and then becoming uh high in the the palace there working for pharaoh to being lied lied about being thrown in the prison to rising back up to the kingdom i would say joseph and throughout the whole thing had a great attitude so joseph is definitely i think my number one uh when it comes to favorite bible characters someone i like to read about so what about you garrett yeah, Joseph's great. I would say my number one though would be David. I mean, David, to me, David's just he he again has like the highs and lows of life. Um, but he he just has such an amazing story. And obviously with his writings and psalms, I feel like I can relate to what he's talking about in the Psalms. A lot of his feelings, his emotions. Um, also just seeing how God can use anybody. I mean a shepherd boy that no one, no one really cared about. And he had all these brothers um, that seemed like they could fit being the King better, uh, but God chose him. And uh, it was pretty, I just, I just love his story. Obviously David and Goliath, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, Um, just all throughout the Bible. I feel like David uh, is, is described as God after God, a man after God's own heart. So that, uh, that really is just something that I strive to be. And so that I feel like I relate most with David and uh, he's definitely top of my list. Uh, but I'd say number two would be Joseph. And uh, Joseph would be number two just because all the trials that he did go through. And throughout the Bible, I'm sure he, I'm sure he did, but there's no written recording of him ever complaining. And he was just always positive, always looking at the, the best in life, uh, even with the circumstances. And uh, in the world that we live in today, a lot of people base their life on their circumstances and you can't do that. You know, Joseph is a prime example of that, where he took his circumstances, made the best of it, served God with his life, and uh, God blessed him for it and gave him a great nation to, to rule over, being second in charge, reignited or, or re, uh, yeah, uh, reignited his, his mm-hmm. kindle with, with uh, the Lord and, and also um, just uh, bringing his family back to him, all, all sorts of cool stories in, in that uh in that book of the Bible and Genesis talking about Joseph. So um, it's, it's hard. I, David and Joseph are like one a and one B, but yeah, I'd say those that's, that's probably my favorite is David and then Joseph. Uh, what about you, Dalton? Who's your second favorite? And, and just, just so the listeners, you understand, we did not tell each other our top three. Okay. No, so when we said no, our list, we like we, we didn't, we didn't tell them that. Um, but one thing about Joseph and he was my number one, your number two, I think it's interesting when you read the story of, of Joseph and he encounters his brothers. Mm-hmm. Like he drags them on through that whole process. 
Yeah. And uh, I just think that's wild. You know, I don't know if I would have done that, but uh, I know there's a meaning to it. But I thought it was wild that he he goes and undercover and and just puts them, you know, in prison and tells them to go go back and get Benjamin and and all this just different things. I thought it was very interesting with Joseph and how he went about. But my number two uh, would have to be David. And again, that's that's you know we both said our top two were, were them, but we didn't talk about it. It's just David is, I mean, he he's you know shepherd boy to the next king, to behaving himself wisely, um, to get, having his life threatened. Now he becomes king. And then we see some of the mistakes he makes, and then he rises back up and just the way he finishes out his life there. Um, and, and one one interesting thing, it would be, I, I don't know if I would want to be written in the Bible, Garrett. Can mm. you imagine yeah. having your, your story written like David? So Man, you have a lot of good things, maybe some things that, that you did. But imagine, every, imagine everyone of all time, you know, in Christianity and even people that are not saved know about David, but they know about mm. the Bathsheba. Yeah. Definitely, definitely wild that for, you know, thousands of years that people have been reading about that story. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think all of us, we want one our deepest, darkest secrets written in the no. Bible. Um, no. But I think David, a- after all that, that happened, all the good and, and, and all the bad, that the Lord still would say, man, after my own heart mm-hmm. and uh, had a close relationship with the Lord, read the Psalms, just, man, just a great, you know, great chapters in the Bible uh, of the book of Psalms. But going on to my number three, I would have to say the disciple John, mm. uh, he, he'd probably be my number three. Yeah. It just, no matter what, he loved the Lord. Mm-hmm. He was consistent. He was at the cross. He didn't leave. Uh, he might not have been the most fiery, but but he was just consistent. He loved God, and that's very evident throughout the whole Bible. Uh, I don't know. I just love uh, the book of John. I love uh, the testimony of John throughout the, the Gospels and how he stayed faithful, and he was you know wrote, wrote the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think there's something special about John in the Bible, uh, someone that, that never left the Lord. He not, might not have been a, you know, a fireball, but he was someone yeah. that, that just wasn't going to leave. So what about you, Garrett? What's your number three? Yeah, I, th- I think that's really interesting because obviously, you know, our lives, we, we can't compare to these guys there in the Bible. Like most of the guys are like John, um, all the apostles, the disciples are like martyred. And so it's like not even mm-hmm. a comparison. Um, but I feel like personality wise, if if we were to put ourselves in the disciples shoes, you know, my third uh, is Peter, because I feel like that's <laughs> that's my personality a little more. And I could see you being John. Um, yeah. I like Peter because, you know, he, he wasn't ever afraid to step up and stand up, even though his mouth got him in trouble sometimes. Mm. Um, but you know, when you look in the book of acts, man, it was Peter that was the one leading the charge and yeah. he was the one that was getting the gospel to the Gentiles and, and really had a turnaround. Um, and Peter was the one that was always trying to be the leader, you know, the one that always wanted to be in the thick of it with, with Jesus. And he was one of the three disciples that was uh, with John and James and uh, just always around, around Jesus. And so uh, Peter's just a really cool character to me. Um, I, I feel like as far as anybody in the Bible, it's really hard to pick my third because I really like Elijah as well, but Peter, just the way that he was used by God in the book of Acts to preach the gospel at Pentecost. Um, that's one of my favorite stories in the Bible of just how powerful it was and just the surrender and the boldness that he had um, alongside of John as they just went through the streets and preached the Lord. And they knew that these guys that they were talking to and these uh, high priests 
these Roman uh, rulers were people that just killed their savior. And uh, they knew evidently, you know, it was going to be them that were going to be crucified upside down and um, dragged to the streets and <clears throat> all sorts of things that they did to those men. But their dedication to the Lord uh, never waned. You know, they, they, even in Peter's case, he went away for a little while, you know, he went fishing, but he did eventually come back to the Lord. And that's, that's like a mentality that I like to bring on to myself is I've never had a time Dalton where I was like far from the Lord, you know, doing all sorts of crazy stuff, backslidden, but you know, in ministry, uh, that's an attitude I want to have like Jesus did with Peter is that, uh, Peter had so much potential I mean, he had so many things going for him that he could do for the Lord and God saw that potential. Uh, but Peter stepped away, but it was Jesus that came back to Peter and, uh, caught, caught him in the night, you know, fishing at a bad moment, um, but brought him back in and convinced him, you know, and said, Hey, do you love my sheep? And, uh, that really was what changed Peter's life around to, to serve the Lord. And so in ministry, I feel like that's kind of what I try to be. My mentality is, is like with Peter, um, where people might not always do exactly what we think they're going to. Uh, and what we want them to do and we can see their potential, uh, but be there for them, you know, when they're at their lowest moment, because you never know when it is that God can get a hold of their heart. So I like Peter just because I feel like he relates with my personality uh, the yeah. most, but yeah. uh, it's really hard. Like I said, like Elijah would be up there. Paul's up there. Um, I really like those characters. So um, that's, that's, that's a pretty tough one for me. Yeah. And, and you think about Peter, he was, he was up and down, up and down. But you think of, of our lives. A lot of times you read the Bible and we're like, man, these guys are unbelievable. You read the, you know, the children of Israel and you read about them and you think, man, how, how do they just forsake the Lord? But then you, you look at our lives and we're on fire for God one day. And then a week later, you know, we're mad, depressed, mm -hmm. you know, upset. And so I think sometimes when we get to flip the page, uh, we don't see the days in between or maybe the months or years in between the chapters and verses sometimes that you read. Um, but definitely interesting. Now, Garrett, real quick, uh, I know we need to move on to uh, our episode, but if you had to pick one person to live the life of in the Bible besides Jesus, who who would you choose? Oof, man, that's a tough one. Yeah, isn't it? Because it's Jonah? like I don't want my I don't want my life to be hard, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, man, I I think, you know, I think I would say and this might throw you off a little bit, but I think I'd actually say Abraham. Really? I think I'd say Abraham because even though he didn't get to see everything that God promised him, like just to experience that relationship with God would be amazing. You know, yeah. that you felt like God trusted you enough to let the seed of his race, you know, yeah. and his son come through you. That'd just be a really cool experience. Um, so I, I would say Abraham, what about you? I would say Moses, but I could see myself getting so mad at the people. <laughs> well, like, you guys are dumb. Moses did too. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I would have to say, man, most likely, man, Abraham was a really good choice. I think, I think Adam. Hmm. Yeah. It would be, of course, everyone would know my failure, you know, of bringing <laughs> sin into the world. But but imagine being Adam in, in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Walking, you know, with the Lord. And then having to experience you know, the hard life you never never had. So I would say maybe Adam, um, or it would be interesting to to be like James mm -hmm. and to grow up with Jesus. Yeah. 
And it, it, we know that, you know, at the beginning, he didn't believe, believe that he was Christ, but just to see him in the house, it would be neat to be James, you know, and then later on getting saved and becoming a pastor and whatnot. But yeah, but yeah, I, I would probably say, I'd probably say Adam or James. If yeah. I had to pick one, it'd be James. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really cool. Let's jump into the the podcast today. And, and some of the things we want to discuss, we want to go over, uh, of course, we're doing verses is our, uh, our kind of our theme through this season, season three. Uh, we're going through one thing versus another, and we've talked about a couple different subjects. I'm um, talking about atheism versus Christianity, and uh, we want to jump into alcohol versus abstinence and staying away from alcohol. And we want to give you some biblical reasons, but we also want to start off with some practical reasons on why we don't drink alcohol. And I've got a couple. I know Dalton's got a couple. I'm just going to mention just a couple here. Um, some practical reasons why, as a Christian, that we should not drink alcohol. And before I get into it, really, this is a hot topic today. I mean, it is it is something that in the Christian world, uh, people are saying that drinking alcohol as a Christian is okay. Uh, you can partake of it as long as you don't get drunk. But, you know, that really can't be further from the truth. And all of these reasons that I'm about to list, uh, some of them I just thought on my own. Uh, some of them I did gain from websites and things, and these are secular websites. These these are not Christian websites. These are people in the world that recognize these are some real issues with drinking alcohol, uh, not getting drunk, but just drinking. And so the first thing that I really thought of was it impairs your mental clarity and focus. And uh, when I whenever someone drinks, it just really does something to the brain, you know, physically. It hurts your brain and it hurts other parts of your body. And your clarity in what you remember and the focus that you have is now clouded by this alcohol and the fermentation that's in it into your brain. And that, that's just something that, man, I wouldn't want that. I don't want to wake up the next day and not remember what I did the night before. You know, I want to have mental yeah. clarity in what I do. And the, and the other thing that I probably the very first thing I thought about when I think about alcohol is there's no relationship ever that has been better because of alcohol. Yeah. It's only worse. There, there's never been a relationship that said, man, my relationship just took off leaps and bounds because I started drinking and, and I got drunk and man, it was just awesome. You know, you might have good time partying and all that good stuff that you say is a good time, but relationships, real relationships between family or spouse, uh, they're never better because of alcohol. They only hurt. Mm -hmm. And uh, another thing is you, you're going to save a lot of money if you don't drink alcohol. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's lots of habits that people can have that are expensive habits. Um, and it's a biblical principle for us. We can find all through the book of Proverbs and through the Bible that we should be a good steward of our money. And of course, there's things that, that God wants us to enjoy. Okay. Cedar Point is not a bad place to go. I love going to Cedar Point, join the amusement park. But if I'm going to Cedar Point and spending 50 bucks, you know, every other day, that's probably not being a wise steward of my money. And that becomes a sin. That's, that's not me taking care of what God has given to me. And alcohol, very much so. People, some people go through a pack a day, you know, a six pack a day, and and that that racks up. That's a lot of money um, that you should not be using, and you could be using for other things that the Lord would want us to do. And so, those are a few things that I thought of right off the bat. But Dalton, share a couple of things that uh, that you thought about as practical reasons. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned just how alcohol is harmful to the body, and mm -hmm. and that's. You know, that's that's pretty evident. I don't think it takes a scientist or takes, yeah. you know, any deep study to understand that, you know, I, you talked about it hurts your um, ability to remember and your brain function. But, you know, there you can even research um, even moderate drinking, not mm -hmm. even being drunk. They, they've come out and they're, they're saying it's even harmful to drink 
you know, little amounts of alcohol and it hurts your brain cells and it's damaging to your brain. Mm-hmm. And they, they've came out with that here recently. You can even check on that. So not only, you know, is being drunk, you know, harmful to you, but, but moderate drinking, it, it, it harms your brain. It harms your ability to think and to focus. Right. And we know that, you know, alcohol, it hurts your, your organs, your liver, your pancreas and your heart. Those are mm-hmm. all studies that have shown that alcohol it neg- negatively affects that. You know, and you talked about kind of alcohol is expensive, and this is kind of out of nowhere. I was thinking about, you know, going to MLB game. Growing up, Mm -hmm. we went to a lot of baseball games. Atlanta Braves was close by. Uh, Went to the Reds games and a a couple others, and and Mm -hmm. we were big baseball fans growing up. And I just remember seeing the, you know, those guys walking around with the beer beer carriers and, and trying to sell alcohol. Mm-hmm. I just remember it being so expensive, you know, and yeah. people would buy, you know, t- you know, six, seven of them. Uh, and, and I looked up, you know, how much does it cost, you know, at an average game to get one drink? It was six dollars. You know, wow. I understand not every day you're going to go to MLB park, but man, alcohol is just expensive mm-hmm. and, and everyday habit, you know, something on the weekends. You go to the bar, you know, just you buying other people drinks. It's just expensive. And if you want right. to throw your money down the drain. That's one way to do it. And of course, it's extremely addictive. But mm-hmm. you know, at, on average in the in the the world, about one hundred and forty thousand people die uh, because of alcohol related uh, accidents. Yeah, and that's wow. just crazy. You know, it's like three hundred a day. I think three hundred and eighty. Um, mm. That that number is right. Uh, that people die. And you know, I think one of the worst things out there is alcohol. And mm-hmm. I know back like in the early nineteen hundreds, mid nineteen hundreds, there's a pushback against alcohol. And I wish that would come back. You know, I think alcohol yeah. is is something that the, you know, everyone should just cast down. But again, mm-hmm. uh, it makes a lot of money for these companies. Uh, you know, everyone, you know, a lot of people uh, love alcohol, but but man, it yeah. just causes so much harm. Mm-hmm. Um, twenty eight percent in twenty nineteen. Twenty eight percent of driving fatalities was because of alcohol impaired mm-hmm. drivers. Uh, fatalities that means people that, that have died yeah. uh, that were. Uh, because they were um, under the influence and just mm. alcohol is just, you know, I, I don't think there's any good benefit to, to having it yeah. uh, when it comes to a practical reason for sure. And, and you mentioned uh, Garrett about your relationship uh, is never been improved by alcohol. And I thought that was a really solid point. And I know, you know, your life, Garrett, you, you know, alcohol hasn't played a major role in your life, you know, yeah. people that are around you, but, you know, personally in my life, you know, I've seen the damage that has come from alcohol, you know, just relationships being hurt and uh, damaged. Uh, and just, you know, I, I've seen firsthand kind of what alcohol does to someone and just kind of changes who they are. Uh, and I've seen that in different family members at different times and just is just not good, you know, mm-hmm. for, you know, the family, the relationships, it puts a strain on them and just uh, it's not what, what you want to show. Uh, when you want to improve your relationship, it just causes harm. You know, I think of Genesis chapter nine, the first time alcohol is ever mentioned uh, is, was, was a negative way uh, mm-hmm. with Noah getting drunk in the Bible when he, he, he made fermented wine mm-hmm. uh, and just alcohol never, uh, you know, adds the situation, you know, it always takes away. Yeah. Um, so there's just a couple of practical reasons I thought of as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's many more we could probably talk about. Yeah. And Dalton, I think uh, one thing that really sticks out to me when I talk about this is I've never, I've never drank alcohol. Okay. I've never tasted it. Um, I don't believe my dad has ever tasted it. I don't believe my grandpa's even ever tasted it. So alcohol hasn't played a role directly in my life. 
but I can see the effects in other people. I can look and, and gain wisdom from what other people have done in their life experiences. And there's many people out there that will say, you know, well, don't knock it till you try it, or at least maybe, maybe I won't be the one that gets addicted to it. You know, I, I'll be able to control it. Well, I mean, that's, that's a real dangerous spot to be in. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen people jump out of an airplane without a parachute, but I'm not the first one to sign up to go do it. Okay. <laughs> they, they have plans in place or they, they, they do what they do and they're stunt, you know, have stunt people and they do all sorts of crazy stuff, but I'm not the first one to sign up to do it because there's a lot of people who have jumped out of an airplane without a parachute and they didn't survive and they had a lot of things that were problems with them. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to look at someone else's life and maybe one example someone drinks moderately and they might have a control on it, but there's still other areas that we talked about practically that is, is going to hurt. You are still spending that money on that, that you could be using for other things and you're still harming your body. You know, you might not be able to see it on the outside or it might not affect the outside of their world, but on the inside, it's still damaging their liver, damaging the, the brain cells that they have. And, and obviously there's all sorts of biblical reasons, but just looking at it from a practical sense, something that I found that was interesting, and we'll jump into the biblical side of it, is depression and stress levels are increased um, very much in people that drink. Uh, not just people that get drunk, but people that drink. Even drinking moderately, it says that you have to you know, get up more times to, to use the restroom during the middle of the night. Uh, the alcohol that's working through your system will wake you up in the middle of the night. And you don't get that REM sleep that you really need as an individual on a daily basis. And when you drink on it on occasion, or you drink regularly throughout the week, and you might do it socially or moderately and not get plastered every time you drink, but it's still affecting you. And when you don't get the proper sleep in your life, God stresses all throughout the Bible that you need to rest. Mm -hmm. Okay, God himself rested. And there's a reason for that. That's a biblical thing that all of us should do. Um, but when you don't get the proper sleep, depression, stress, anxiety, all of those things are heightened and you have more issue with those because you're not letting your body do what it's meant to do and reset itself because the alcohol is working through your system. When you're drinking late at night, socially with your friends, when you're with people, you know, at a party and you can control it and you're not getting drunk, but you're still affecting your body and heightening the things of depression, stress, anxiety, you know, all sorts of other problems that stem from the alcohol, alcohol that we partake in. And so hopefully that's a, that's a help to you. Many people that I'm sure that listen to our podcast, they, they don't drink already, but just be able to help you in knowing where that line is and, and why people are discussing it now, why it's still wrong in a practical sense. But now we want to kind of turn it to a biblical sense on what the Bible actually says about drinking. So Dalton, kind of tell us a little bit about the biblical side of it and uh, where Jesus stood on, on drinking. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to start off with Proverbs 21. It says, wine is a mocker. Uh, strong drink is wait, uh, raging, and whosoever is, is deceived thereby is not wise. You know, at, at the very least, you know, mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not wise. Um, you know, wine yeah. is going to mock you. It's going to cause you to rage. Uh, just, man, I, we could, you could preach a sermon off just those three things. But, you know, if you want to be made fun of, you can just, you know, get drunk. You look at YouTube and you just search 
uh, drunk people. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're going to find, uh, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of videos of, of people yeah. being, you know, making themselves a fool uh, all because of alcohol. But, you know, as I think of biblical reasons why, you know, we shouldn't drink alcohol, I think the first thing that we should clear up in the, the, the ear uh, or the air uh, is, is the fact that Jesus turning water into wine. Um, and we're just going to start right off the bat by saying he did not turn the water into fermented wine. Um, you know, just a couple things about that. That chapter there is John chapter two. Uh, they they're at a feast or at a wedding, and they have ran out of wine. And uh, you know, Jesus is, is Mary confronts Jesus and tells him, and he goes out and turns uh, these water pots into wine. Uh, in verse ten, it talks about how it says they have well drunk. It's not say they are drunk or. It says that they have well drunk. So they had these people at this feast had already had wine to drink, unfermented, you know, grape juice. They had already had plenty, um, but yet they were not drunk. It says have well drunk. But even if if these people at this wedding, if they were drunk, and Jesus were to and Jesus were to turn the water into fermented wine, you know, he would definitely tip them all over to sin, and that's just a contrary. Uh, to what the Bible has to say, you know, God is not going to, you know, tempt someone to sin or he's not going to cause someone uh, to fall into sin. And, and so he definitely did not turn this water into wine. And Garrett, before we kind of get into things, you know, there's a one wine theory. That means every time you see the word wine, that means it's fermented. But then there's two wine theory. That's where we stand is that there's fermented wine and then there's grape juice mentioned throughout the Bible. Um, and we could get into the storage of, of how they stored, you know, for, uh, un, unfermented wine, the, the grape juice, and they had methods. And I'm just going to give a quick shout out. Uh, there's a book called Should Christians Drink Wine and Alcohol? It's by Ben David Sinclair. It's mm-hmm. actually, yeah, it's a short read. I don't know, Garrett, if you've read it, but it's like 50 no, pages, but it's a very good book. And I, I think mm-hmm. there's been one book that's cleared up this issue uh, in my mind, it's been this book here, yeah. but it goes in details about different methods and ways. And historically they have stored, you know, grape juice. And cause a lot of people that believe alcohol is fine. They see the Bible uh, is for, you know, fermented wine. Uh, they like to say, well, they didn't, you know, historically they didn't have the, the means uh, to preserve grape juice, but that book kind of talks about it. Hmm. Um, and just a couple things, you know, first Timothy five twenty three. that's another hot topic, uh, issue of people that, that believe in moderate drinking. It talks about, um, you know, drink no longer water, but uh, a little, I, I believe it says a little wine for thy stomach's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, if you just look into it, the if you have stomach issues, alcohol is not the way to go. It actually causes worse problems. And mm-hmm. here uh, in that this same book of the Bible, Paul has told Timothy that if you're going to be uh, a preacher or an elder even goes into deacons that you should um, you should resist wine uh, the fermented wine so why would he be you know here saying it's fine when he just said it wasn't and so just right there it's just you know a simple thing you know uh, doctors have even said that grape juice is good for settling your stomach uh, and not you know alcohol it does the the reverse effect and so there's just a few things but Garrett, I know you have some biblical reasons, some some things mm-hmm. that, that we go into, but I just wanted to kind of clear the the, the air right yeah. there about Jesus turning the water into wine mm-hmm. and the fact that there is two different types of wine in the Bible, you know, fermented yeah. and unfermented. And I think context and I think, you know, looking into the um, how it's used definitely mm-hmm. comes in hand. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for clearing that up. 
and uh, telling the audience kind of where we're, where that is and where we stand. Because, you know, we can get confused if we look into the Bible. You can, you can take one scripture, and if you just take one scripture, you would think that salvation and baptism, you have to do both to get saved. But you always have to compare scripture with scripture. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, I'll, I'm going to try to get a hold of that book that you mentioned, and, and that mm-hmm. gives you a good resource. And in a 30-minute podcast, we can only give you so much of the knowledge that we have, but there's so much other that we can look into on this topic and other topics that we talk about. And so uh, thank you, Dalton, for putting that in perspective. Um, really, what I, I was pointed to is Proverbs chapter 23, and a pretty famous passage when it comes to alcohol. Um, he goes through a couple things step by step of really what someone who is going towards alcohol, uh, what the process is. And so I want to read those verses in Proverbs 23 and verse 29. It says, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes, that they tarry long at the wine, that they go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it is given his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. Thou hast stricken me, thou shalt say, and was was not sick. Uh, They have beaten me and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again." Um, you know, that, that passage, there's so much that we can gain from it, but just a few things that I, I pulled from it quickly. Um, in the very first verse that we read in verse number 29, it starts going through a list of things who hath woe, sorrow, contention, contentions, babbling, um, wounds without cause, you know, all of us have, have problems. All of us have things that we deal with on a daily basis. Okay. All of us have some sorrows from time to time. We do have woes. We have things that, uh, we have to deal with. But many times people that are, are drinking and uh, they enjoy to do that, they run to the alcohol, they run to the bottle before they run to God. Mm-hmm. And in this passage, you know, it's saying that alcohol in turn is going to heighten these issues. Uh, you can get a temporary fix from a problem. Uh, if you're having a relationship problem with somebody, you drink that alcohol, you can drink that sorrow away for a moment. But when you wake up back in the morning, it's going to be there again. It's not going to solve your issues. Alcohol has never solved anybody's issues. And we all have problems in life. But when it comes to alcohol, when we run to the bottle, it is never going to satisfy us. We think that we hold the bottle, but the bottle really holds us. And it's the one that's in control of us. Because we think that it has to be that I I need to get these problems out of my life, the sorrows that I have. Every country song that you hear is they're losing their girlfriend, they're drinking their sorrows away, right? And yeah. uh, they're going to those things because that, that's what the world does. They don't know what else to do. They don't know where else to go, but to temporarily take their problems away. And the good thing about it is we have a God that's big enough and strong enough and knows enough to be able to get us past those problems. Um, you know, in times of need, there's people that have all sorts of problems in this world that have lost loved ones that have went through deep, deep sorrows. But you know, the alcohol is only going to take that sorrow away for a moment. But really, the only thing that's going to come through is, is if you turn to God, and you give your sorrows and your burdens to him, it says cast your burdens upon him, and he will care for you. And so you need to give your burdens to the Lord. The second thing I see is 
you know, in the next verse, uh, it talks about uh, they that tarry long at the wine that they have mixed wine. Um, look not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself right. Uh, don't put yourself in a tempting scenario. And I'm, I'm so glad that you pointed that out about Jesus turning water into wine. Um, Jesus would never have tempted somebody to go towards sin. Uh, Jesus himself was perfect, but he was never going to contradict what God had set him here to be. And that was the perfect son of God and also the son of man. And he's never going to point somebody to do something wrong. God's never going to put you in a situation where you're tempted to do something wrong. Um, it's not God that tempts. It is Satan that tempts. Um, and so for alcohol, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to be tempted. Um, for myself, you know, I don't walk into a restaurant that serves alcohol and think twice about, you know, if I'm at a place where it has a separate bar and I can sit somewhere else in the restaurant where I'm not even around that stuff, there's no temptation for me at all. But there's some people that might be listening or even people that I know, they've set in their lives, look, I'm not going to go and tempt myself because I know where that alcohol has brought me and where it's going and wants to take me. And you're going to be in situations where you might be around some friends, you might be around some people that they drink and, uh, and they, they do some things while they're drinking that are not right. And don't put yourself in a tempting situation like that. Don't even look upon the, the wine when it is red and it moves itself right in the cup. Uh, God wants us to stay away from temptation and stay away from scenarios where we could be uh, drawn in by our own lusts, as the Bible says. And really the last thing I see from this passage is I see that, uh, you know, it says that it's going to change your heart into perverse things. You know, God wants us to stay away from those things of the world and perverse things. There's strange women. There's, there's all sorts of things that alcohol can induce, um, get a gateway drug almost, if you want to say it to other things in our life that we do not want to be a part of. And I would encourage you and look throughout the Bible and really look into what the Bible says about alcohol. And uh, Dalton, close up the podcast here in just about 30 seconds and tell us a little bit, um, just an overview of what you thought about the, this topic of alcohol. Yeah, you know, I think uh, when you come to it with an open heart and an open discussion of what the Bible has to say, I think, you know, you look at verse 31 in chapter mm -hmm. 23, it says, look not thou upon the, the wine. I think that's just should be our, our motto. I'm not going to get close to it. I'm not going to yeah. even, you know, bring myself near it. I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, and I think I, I think we should we look at the you know the practical reasons the biblical reasons, uh, but but also I think you know we should you know, say no to, to alcohol for those that that are watching us those that are paying attention to us the lost world because uh, they know you know that's not something a Christian should should be partaking in. Amen. Well, I hope this was a blessing to you and uh, helps you out in your journey in life. Just be able to kind of navigate through things. It's just, we said it's it's just a uh, topic that's been brought up so much today. And we need to know where we stand biblically and uh, what the Bible tells us to do and what God wants us to do. So thank you so much for joining the podcast again today. Signing off for myself and Dalton. Have a great day in Jesus.